Samsung Galaxy S21 day. That's what we've uh, that's what we've just been through. It's quite a spectacle. There's a new there's a new champ in town. There's a new king in town. There's a new flagship contender for your dollars. I'm having a hard time. I don't know. I haven't. I can't really gauge the the full sentiment yet. But it seems people are excited. Uh huh. It seems people are paying attention and are liking some of the things that Samsung is up to. Probably, uh, you know, one of the one of the noteworthy developments here: this lavender violet color with the gold, the two tone thing. I see a lot of people posting pictures about that. Yeah. Phantom Violet. It's a new look. It is. For me, you know it's got to be the Phantom Black. Got the, the Phantom Black right here. I'm doing the transition, little teaser. I'm doing the thing. And I have been on iOS for so long. And I have been on 60 hertz for so long. Ugh. I'm over here scrolling in, in, in this liquid speed motion. 120 yeah. hertz. Adaptive at full resolution. Oh yeah, by the way, shout out for the later case. Look at this. Got it in time. I had to shout out the later case team. Got it in time. You can order it up right now. And on a huge phone like this, oh, you don't even notice it. That's how that works. So slim. Kind of ridiculous. Cyber Edition cutout style covers the whole camera module. Very exciting. I'm actually just setting this up at the moment. I have plenty of videos planned. It's out of control, Will. I'm doing a comparison to the to the 12 Pro Max because that's the question people have now. Uh -huh. I mean, I was doing the live stream this morning, the announcement, and people were saying, rip Apple in the thing. And you know people, they love a contest. For me, it's like look, two things can be good at once. But you know, here's a, here's a problem with that. I can say two things could be good at once. You know why? Because I got the other one right over here, and we all do. These people you're watching on the internet. I could just pick that one up and pick that one up. Uh -huh. But you want to know what happens in the real world, Will, where you ain't been in a minute? What? What's that? You only get to play with one phone right? ever at a time. Mm -hmm. And you don't see the other ones, and you don't touch the other ones, and you don't swipe up and down and left and right. Yeah. You're just stuck for a year. And so... Because of that, people, they get emotional. They get, they get invested in that one selection, that one choice, whether it's, well, you know, for, for a lot of people, it's not even every year. It's every couple years, every three years, every four years. And by the way, I'm not trying to, that's probably justified. Phones are really good right now. I don't, you don't need to get a new one every year. But obviously in this business, the business you and I are in, it's imperative that you switch all the time. And people used to make fun of the meme that I say, oh, I'm switching phones. Uh-huh. But that's really the gig. Like the last major smartphone, flagship smartphone release was the iPhone. I've been using, this is the longest I used an iPhone in a billion years. I'm yeah, over here on iOS, probably, I'm getting messages across devices, they're flying. You probably have a lot of thoughts on iOS. I have some thoughts. Okay, yeah. Well. I have some thoughts. But I don't know what kind of a content we're going to turn it into here. Oh, I guess, I, wait a sec. Taking you back. You're making me have to face the number of times I've switched devices. You gotta Scary. face the face palm. Scary, dude. Anyway, so point being is I switch phones a lot. It's part of the gig. So you have a different impression of things because of that. But this 
uh, this Ultra has me jazzed up. It has me fired up. It, it's got me going. I don't know if it's the design. I don't know if it's the display. It's the nicest display I've ever looked at. I don't know if it's the crazy uh, camera features that I'm excited to test out, like 8K video or the stupid crazy zoom. They're just fun. Some fun things that I want to look at. It's a premium phone starting at $1,199 in the U.S. Obviously, the regular S21 comes in at a slightly lower price point. But I have lots of content planned. And uh, so, yeah, I don't know. Stick around for that. That's all I want to say on that matter. Today's sponsor is Manscaped. And we've talked about them here on the show. This is the best in men's below-the-belt grooming. Now, usually, anything below the belt is, could be considered to be a, an infraction. Like in boxing, for example, they say, keep your gloves up. You know, like, don't, like no punching below the belt, below the waist, yes. for example. Yeah. When it comes to Manscaped, though, that's exactly what you need below the belt. Because mm -hmm. things get out of control below the belt. And Manscaped comes in there with the skin-safe performance. They come in there with the ceramic blade. They come in there with the flashlight on the front. And they come in there with the ability to use the device a little bit wet yes. if you need to. And they come in there with the charge dock. Uh -huh. They got it all figured out, man. It's uh, Somebody finally did it. Mm -hmm. And it seems like now that Manscaped exists, you're wondering why it didn't exist sooner. Yeah, and they're upfront about it, you know? You got to mow your lawn sometimes. The revolutionary company Manscaped has redesigned the electric trimmer. Their Lawnmower 3.0 has proprietary advanced skin-safe technology, so the trimmer cuts on your nuts. It's also waterproof. You can use it in the shower. They got a whole package you can put together with a bunch of other gadgets they make for self-grooming and things like this, as well as uh, the the uh, lotions and there's even one which is kind of like a minty mm. uh, toner type of thing which will it'll wake you up it'll snap you out of it and and every so often you're telling me that will that you're you're uh you're feeling a little sleepy or something uh, skip the next coffee i'll and, get perked and, right and, up yeah and you just go you take a little break and you go, <laughs> you go you get the preserver on there Just or whatever. Some of that uh, preserver. Yes. Okay. I'm telling you, it'll wake you right up. It's like a menthol type effect going on over there. Uh, but look, the whole point here is that the the idea of grooming below the belt is a scary concept, but they try to take the fear out of it by coming up with a product that actually is designed for such a task, mm -hmm. and uh, and well, really sort of innovating in the space. So you guys should definitely give them. Give them a go, give it a shot, and now's the best time because you can save some cash because you're a Lou Later fan. You get 20% off plus free shipping at manscaped.com slash Lou. That's 20% off plus free shipping, manscaped.com slash Lou. I'll put a link in the description as well. It'll take you to the same discount. You will thank me and your balls will thank you. So speaking a little bit more about... Samsung's big day, a couple of features caught my attention. Uh, I think they've been making some nice moves in One UI, especially on the big phones, mm. with like the things you got to reach and letting you pull the entire menu down from a one-handed perspective. Uh, one of the new features in One UI 3 that they showed off today, which captured my attention, was the removal of 
other people inside of a photo and how slick it looked on video. Mm -hmm. Now, I need to say, even though I'm using this device right now, there is a review embargo. So there's like a limited amount of things that I can test and tell you about. But we at least have the footage from the event on how this should work in an optimal setting. And so she just goes in and just highlights. Now, anybody who's had any experience in Photoshop or photo editing type of software knows that Photoshop does things like this. Mm -hmm. Content aware. It's uh, gotten so much better over the years where it can fill in the gaps of what the background would look like after you've removed said subject matter that you didn't want to be there. But on the smartphone, it's a little bit more, it's a little tougher to implement these types of features. Yeah, you got your thumbs. Well, first, yeah, first of all, you're interacting with your thumbs. Or on this device, you can have the pen on the Ultra model right. for more precision if you choose to. But they didn't do it with the, with the pen. They used, she used her thumb or her index, I can't remember. And it was just like the speed of it and the effectiveness on their, on their test image. Now, obviously, you're going you're gonna to put the best demo possible out there. You're not going to put one where it works in a subpar fashion, but I'm I'm kind of excited to check this out. This is a thing that I have to do constantly in photos is remove things that I don't like when I want to have a simple backdrop or something like this. And actually, she doesn't even color it in like a heel style. She just taps it. Look at this. And it knows the outline of the individual. I mean, that's pretty slick. Is it not slick, Will? Yeah. And this subject on the right is kind of off to the side. He's cropped. That's true. You know, he is breaking so. the threshold. The guy on the right is kind of somewhat in frame, somewhat out. And that can cause problems with some of the content aware stuff in your traditional photo editors. So Samsung is doing some software magic to go with their brand new hardware magic. Now, the other device that they talked about device is the Galaxy Buds Pro. Honestly, I had a quick hands on with the product and I wanted to talk about this during the live stream. But obviously, there's a lot going on in the live stream. I had a quick hands-on with the product, so I did a little test. I tried the transparency mode, the various settings on the transparency mode, and I listened to them. And I was like, you know what? These seem pretty cool. Reverse wireless charge or uh, uh, power sharing from the device. Some cool features. It had a really nice fit on my ear as well. But the coolest features that they showed off today in the keynote were not things that I could test. They also have a review embargo on the headphones. I'm going to do something a little bit more advanced tomorrow, I believe. going to shoot it because I need to test out some of these claims. Huh. Claim number one, that they're going to have a spatial audio feature similar to what Apple's doing. Okay, that sounds tough to do. The level of integration Apple has with the device and all the rest of it. Now, granted, I will test it the way Samsung intended. I'll put in the earbuds and I'm going to test it on the S21 Ultra. Mm -hmm. So we'll see how that functions. Number two, the talking to engage a greater transparency level just when you start speaking. Hmm. That, to me, is a killer feature because you don't want to be tapping. You yep. don't want to be thinking it's an awkward. You just want to approach, start talking, and not even worry about it. Mm -hmm. That's the ideal scenario. So the microphones are listening for your tone of voice in order to let the sound through so that you can have an interaction with someone without touching anything. And when they showed this off in a demo, obviously it worked incredible. It's their demo, but I got to put this to the test as well inside of a video. A couple of other things, of course, these have uh, whatever it is, IPX7 rating. So it's I, I, I might uh, dunk them in a little bit of water, see what that's all about. 
but I do feel now, having seen some of the advertised features, I feel now that I, I really want to test them a little bit more. And these things are tiny. Tiny. You know? Tiny. When you saw the breakdown in their presentation of the amount of tech that they slammed in there, it was quite surprising mm -hmm. to see. And, and then I was like, you know what? I didn't do this justice. I got to go back to the drawing board. I got to go a little more in depth on this one because it is, it is the most advanced one they ever put together. A dedicated tweeter and woofer inside that tiny earbud, 11 millimeter woofer, 6.5 millimeter tweeter. It's, uh, yeah, it's pretty cool stuff. Now, I mean, granted, it's still a, a wireless tech. It's still a tiny little earbud. So we keep that in mind, but I'm more curious about it than even my first impression after I saw the variety of demos and realized that there was more to be done here. Mm -hmm. And if the spatial is anywhere near what Apple's doing, then they're going to have something on their hands. That's all I'm going to say about that. By the way, as far as the spatial stuff is concerned, I read somewhere that Netflix, maybe I should have just made this a topic, but maybe I'll make it a topic at a later date when I find sure. out more about it. But Netflix is actually going to be embracing Apple's tech. So it's not going to just be, oh. it's not just going to be stuff that you have to buy, like a movie on uh, in Apple's store. Do they still call it iTunes? Whatever. Yeah. But, but Apple TV, what, are they, what is it now? It's an Apple I, product. If I want to buy a movie from Apple directly. It's Apple TV Plus. Whatever. It? Anyway. No, not I, the plus part is is their their their, their shows. Service. Yeah. But anyway, you can you would assume that Apple's own stuff obviously supports because because I had it in my iTunes. I had the Batman movie and that's where I got the full spatial experience. Mm. So if Netflix embraces Apple's tech and all of a sudden more streaming services are capable of it, it's a game changer. Yes. And hopefully it can go across platforms and cover products like Samsung too so more people can experience that extra immersion that comes out of that spatial audio performance. Speaking of AirPods, the Mar uh, AirPods market share falls again. Even though Apple is still wet, well ahead of the competitors, this... Marketplace has expanded greatly. The marketplace around uh, truly wireless, full wireless, all wireless earbuds. Mm. Obviously evidenced by the last story, Samsung just put out, what is that, their third pair, fourth pair, whatever it is. Uh, but it's actually, a lot of the market share that's been gobbled up has been from brands like Xiaomi, who have come out with more affordable. Mm. And this, so this is to be to be expected that if you are going to have a product that's way less money than Apple's AirPods, it's going to be appealing to a large number of people. Your profit margins won't look the same, mm -hmm. and Apple doesn't seem all that interested in the sub fifty dollar or sub one hundred dollar mm -hmm. market. But it has allowed these other brands to kind of creep in and satisfy that part of the market, and so. Since Apple was first to the game as well, they had a pretty major advantage as far as market share was concerned. Apple's market share fell from 41% to 29% in the course of nine in, in the course of the last nine months. However, Apple remains ahead of its nearest competitor, and most other big names remain in the two to five percent. So it's not like Samsung is responsible for clawing away these AirPods users. It's actually happening at the lower part of the market. Uh, let me see if I can find the statistic here that I'm looking for. Yes, Apple's 29% share is more than twice that of its nearest competitor, Xiaomi, 
and third-placed Samsung only has 5% of the market. Hmm. So Apple's still sitting around 30% of the wireless earbud market. That's Isn't that amazing? That goes to show you how many manufacturers are making these things now. Mm-hmm. If number three, Samsung, is 5%, and pr- presumably Xiaomi is uh, somewhere around 10 or maybe just below 10, then that means you have this laundry list of other players that are putting out there. I mean, we've, of course, looked at products from OnePlus. They're really aggressively going after that market as well, and yeah. Oppo, and everybody's making these things now. LG, Anchor. Uh, yes. You know. It's tremendous. Their Anchor's product called Soundcore. Now, there's another interesting tidbit here in the article from 9to5Mac that antitrust pressure has forced Apple to allow third-party companies to integrate with the Find My app, and Belkin is already taking advantage of that with its sound form freedom competitor to AirPods. So this is, this is, this is kind of a... Uh, I didn't even know this was going on, but you can imagine when you say antitrust pressure, right? You're saying, okay, we're getting a little concerned that maybe the stuff that we have that's proprietary is going to draw some attention from the regulators that are saying, well, no one else can sell you headphones because our headphones are really the only ones that work properly mm-hmm. with a variety of features. And truthfully, it would be kind of insane to get any other wireless earbud with your iPhone, let's mm-hmm. say. Unless it, well, you, were, you, you were really cost sensitive, the AirPods, particularly the AirPods Pro, are one of the best audio experiences you can have on there from pairing to spatial audio, etc. But this antitrust pressure seems to imply to me that Apple is considering opening up some of these technologies to third-party companies mm. so that they can't be held accountable in that fashion. Mm. And then they can say, no, 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 look, we let Belkin do their version of it. And so does that mean that maybe it starts right now with the Find My feature, but then could it branch into the spatial and into the pairing and all the rest of it? Right. It's possible. I didn't know that Apple was making adjustments due to antitrust pressure, but according to this article, they are. Let's get into the WhatsApp news. You know, we got to have a WhatsApp update because so many people are currently in the decision-making process as far as whether they want to stick around, hang around Mm -hmm. with WhatsApp or if they're uh, ready to jump ship. Of course, many have already jumped ship. We've talked a lot about people going to signal and people going to telegram and actually i think i'm going to talk about that in this show a little bit later in the next story but in the meantime whatsapp they don't want to take their foot off the pedal they're trying to keep people around and they're actually launching a new feature which i don't know may aid in that in that purpose right there so have you ever been a part of a like a whatsapp group never mind a whatsapp group like a group chat situation Mm -hmm. Okay, so right now there's a group chat that Vin has me in, which is they're constantly going back and forth, these guys. Yeah. Right? Now, once you're in a group chat environment, it might be that most or a few people are making most of the noise. Mm -hmm. This is a common experience that people might have in a group chat. Is it Vin? Uh, Yeah, Vin makes the most noise. Yeah, Vin makes the most noise in that one. Now, this new feature, okay, it's called Read Later. And what this does, if you feel like you're getting notified too much from a particular group, you stick it into read later, which previously used to be an archive thing and worked a little differently. And what happens when you put into read later, you're still in the group. You can still dip in and see what people are talking about from time to time as you see fit. 
but you're not getting pinged a thousand notifications because it's in your read later section. So your more pertinent communications are gonna bubble up and that one's not gonna just sit there pinned to the top because it's constantly hmm. updating and giving you notifications. Right. So, so this is a feature a lot of people want. A lot of people wanna use something like this. Would you personally have any use for something like that? Uh, hmm. For me personally, no. Hmm. Uh, I just turn notifications off right when I get into the group chat. <laughs> oh, wow. Because I just know, the, you know. But this is different than that because that group chat would still be at the top of your list all the time. Yeah, which is fine. I, I can manage that. It's but not if you fun. have 20 different chats going on. You're going to have to scroll every time to the yeah. actual one you want to talk to because this one keeps getting updated. Yeah, I'm selective in my group chats. Wow. Um, we, we I don't have 20 of them. I only have a few. We learned so, something about Willie yeah. Do over here. And which, which app are your group chats in right now? WhatsApp. Oh, so you got to bounce. Yeah. Well, the thing is, everyone's sticking, and that's the problem. Oh, they don't. They don't listen to this news. They don't listen to this show. No. Yeah. Well, yeah, it's tough. It's it's gonna be tough to move people around and get them excited about some yeah. other platform. And in the meantime, WhatsApp has a two billion user base, and they keep implementing new features, and they're trying to keep people mm -hmm. to hang around. Of course, I want to ask the audience: Is this new feature or any new feature going to convince you to stay? Obviously, a lot of people have moved on. We have an article here today, Signal versus Telegram, to actually help you try to select which messaging app you're going to go to next. Actually, there's some differences between these two, mm -hmm. and they're both aiming at the same thing, right? Encrypted or private messaging, alternative messaging apps from the big players. Signal is, uh, they, well, they're run differently. So Telegram's a business, a for-profit business. Mm. Signal actually is not. Signal is, uh, how do they describe it? Let me make sure I get it right here. A non-profit organization. So they have a whole different structure around how they operate. That means that they're getting donations hmm. in order to operate. So they're at no point going to turn on the monetization or the ads or anything. That's just how it's gonna operate. Now, you can look at that two ways. You could say, well, wait a sec. They might not have as much revenue, which means they couldn't have as many developers, which means the app might not be as cool. But on the flip side, you can say, well, if they're not profit-driven in the same sense, then maybe they're not going to make compromises on our data. Telegram, on the other hand, is a private business, and at some point, you assume they're going to figure out a way to monetize. Now, granted, they could just charge people a couple bucks. It yeah, could just a be a dollar for an app. Yeah, it could just be a well, probably, a month, probably monthly. Monthly. Uh, I would think it would be like two bucks monthly or something. Oh. No, I don't know. I'm just guessing. I'm I'm just guessing right now. You can you can decide. I mean, depending how important yeah, it is to you. Guess. Now listen, I'm just speculating, by the way. I'm just speculating. It would probably be a freemium scenario where you can use the app for free or you get the premium version, which would unlock other features or whatever else. Well, the free has like a banner ad or something. Exactly. The free the free could be supported in some other way. Uh but okay, so here's the thing. Since I had limited exposure to either of these. I know that Telegram was popular in the crypto community. I know Signal came, its origin story is essentially the, the founder of WhatsApp who left and then made this app. It turns out that Signal is probably the more secure choice. And the reason being is that not all communications on Telegram are actually encrypted end to end. In fact, you have to start a, a secret chat in order for that to happen. And that secret chat can only be one to one. There is no completely secret version 
of a group chat or a group at all. On Signal, on the, Signal, on the other hand, they can never look at your messages. It's hmm. impossible for them to read your messages. That goes for one-to-one, -one, that goes for group chats, and you don't have to start a special secret chat. It's just every single communication, no matter what. Well, I'm sold. Okay, you're sold, but but I'm not done yet. So that is a one point for Signal. Okay. Now, both of these are available on uh, iPhone, iPad, and Android. Each of them is free for the time being. Both offer optional desktop apps, so you can chat on a Windows PC, Mac, or Linux system nice. with a full keyboard, which is nice. Even WhatsApp is kind of weird about that, if you've ever tried to do it. Connect it. It's like a weird... A QR code? Yeah. Can I take a picture of yeah, it? Yeah, but then, I don't know. I've always had some, some kind of issues with that. Mm. It seems like a wrapper. You remember we were talking about wrappers yeah. the other day? Anyway. I don't know if it it's is not or not. Native. So, so we, you got one point for Signal on the security front. Some security researchers have argued that Signal's encryption protocol is better and more bulletproof than Telegram's MT Proto encryption protocol. Okay, tough topic. I'm not an expert on it, but some people believe that. However, Telegram has some things that Signal does not. In Telegram, you can have up to 200,000 people in a group chat. Is that does that not sound like your worst nightmare? <laughs> <laughs> that's uh, that's chaos. I don't know who needs it, but you can do that. In Signal, you're limited to a thousand people. In Telegram, you can send a file. This is the one I like. You can send a file up to two gigs. In Signal. No, in Telegram. Telegram. Okay. Telegram, you can send a two gig file. However, in Signal, it's a hundred megabytes. Oh. So that's you got to give that win to Telegram. Yeah. Some 8K footage. That's kind of nice, man. To, to send two gigs, I, I mean, I like that. Yeah. Uh, Telegram offers cloud message synchronization. This is another thing. Because you're so secure on Signal, guess what? Your messages only live on your phone. They're only on your device. They're not on some server somewhere. Now, now you might look at that and say, well, that's fantastic because I know it's impossible for, there to be, for them to be spied on or whatever it might be. But it also means that what about what if, what if you lose your phone what about your backup or whatever like this uh -huh. what about my synchronization with the cloud it's not there of course on the other hand telegram has that so if, if you get a new phone and you download the app um will your history be in the chat well you will have to transfer it from your old phone to your new transfer. phone yeah right it's not in the cloud not in the cloud the cloud synchronization on telegram allows you to boot up uh uh, you can just log into Telegram on the web and continue your conversations. Hmm. On Signal, your conversations are stored locally on your devices and uh, instead of on any kind of server as opposed to using Telegram servers. Because that's the thing. If you're really concerned with privacy, you don't want anything on any servers. But you lose certain services by right. not utilizing any servers. Oh, this is a hard one. And then also on top of that, uh, Telegram apparently is a little bit slicker the interface more stickers and things like that and oh right yeah i mean as you can tell you're looking at it right here it's just a little bit flashier so it's a weird it's a tough trade-off there do you want the ultra secure or do you want the slightly better feature set and the ability to just well to be a little bit more carefree i guess as far as protecting your messages if that's important to you now me i don't really ever go back and look at i don't care about old messages i don't think I don't know. Is nope. that is that crazy? Do you? Uh, 
Not really. I think it would only be if I had to go through an old conversation to extract some data, like yeah. an address or something. Yeah. But that is pretty rare. It is, yeah. So, but anyway, that's your choice. Hopefully that helps you select between. Shout out to Chris Hoffman who put this together on howtogeek.com. Tesla could be a $2 trillion company in just one or two years, says top Wall Street analyst who's likely owns some Tesla stock himself. I don't know. Say something like that. Uh, maybe not. It's just, I'm just, again, speculating. It's part of the show. Got to put that out there. Tesla been on this historic run. We've covered it. Currently trading above $800. It was $844 at the time of this article being written. And uh, it's up from the equivalent of $100 per share just a year ago. Wow, that's ridiculous. That's a, look at you getting the ads for the Nike Air Max Speed Turf. That's hilarious. Well, the story from the previous yesterday. story the other day. That's so funny. They think you want to buy like that price. goes to show you we we all get we're concerned with the AI, but but on this one, although I don't know, maybe you're considering those. Well. Yeah. Uh, top Wall Street analyst Daniel Ives of Wedbush says that it could only be the beginning of Tesla's stock rise. He sees it rising over 1.5 trillion dollars in the next year or two. And he's particularly bullish on Tesla because of China. He feels like it's hard to break into the Chinese market and have success. China is the world's biggest automotive market. Well, I don't know if that's in terms of overall dollar value or total number of vehicles, whatever. It's huge. Hmm. And historically, you know, a lot of American companies haven't been, a, or just international companies haven't been able to jump into China and outpace or displace the domestic companies, the Chinese companies. And you know, there's like, 15 of them in China already, including one of the stories today of another one launching. So if they've been able to sell cars there and that customer is into it, and we recently reported how they're looking for a new uh, designer to design a car specifically for the Chinese market, then maybe it's untapped. Maybe they can go even bigger with it and better with it. Yeah, well, they have the infrastructure there. Mm. They have the Shanghai factory. Shanghai Gigafactory. So I don't know, I mean... 1.5 to 2 trillion. Who knows what to say about Tesla at this point? I mean, mm. keeps climbing. So now, now one of the things that could hold them back is faulty material, faulty, uh, faulty parts. I guess you could say. This story you sent it to me. I saw it on my feed as well. There have been a lot of complaints actually about touchscreens in Teslas from a particular period of time, the Model S and Model X. This problem, by the way, before we get into it, not affecting the newer models, Model 3, Model Y. Hmm. The problem here is those earlier units had an, M had, had, an, had an eMMC NAND flash memory chip that was only eight gigs. And it can only be written to a finite number of times before it shuts down and the touchscreen uh, shuts down. And because in these vehicles, everything is controlled through the touchscreen, <laughs> the windshield wipers and uh, defroster on the ins, like really important things mm. for driving mm -hmm. for cars. Yes. I mean, I guess we're sensing one of the downsides of having a singular interface for everything yeah. is if it breaks, everything breaks. Uh -huh. And so they received a number of complaints. Who was this? The N. HTSA, which is the Highway Transport. Who are they? What does that stand for? Well, National Highway Traffic Safety Administration. That is lovely the way you said that. You know, 
they received about 500 complaints. And then when that happens, they go to the brand and say, okay, how many complaints are there actually? Because of course, not everybody goes to the safety people when they have a problem. Usually you just go to the manufacturer and you're like, can I get another one? Well, they went to Tesla and Tesla said, oh, you know what? Yeah, it's kind of a problem. Uh, this has accounted for more than 12,000 MCU replacements. So they've already, they knew about it. They've been replacing it. And so then this particular safety group has to look at it and say, wait a second, if you've replaced that many, we've heard this many complaints, you know what, we think we're gonna, you're going to have to go ahead and issue a recall on this thing. Mm. And it's not an insignificant recall. We're talking about the Model S built between 2012 and 2018 and Model X built between 2016 and 2018. It accounts for 158,000 vehicles. And you know Tesla doesn't move that many vehicles. I mean, they've been improving quite a bit, but in this past year, it was like a record and it was just under half a million vehicles. So this represents a big chunk of Teslas, just under 160,000. Now they fixed the situation by putting a unit in, in, in a new storage unit inside the newer models, which is a 64 gig unit. So this issue is no, lo no longer exists on the newer models. And if that's the reason it doesn't affect the Model Y and the Model 3 or any of the more modern Model S and X. But if, you if you're affected, if you're in that group, you're going to want to get that checked out ASAP. And uh, yeah, what can I say? I mean, it's a recall. You don't want to be stuck in that position if that thing all of a sudden doesn't turn on. Mm -hmm. Elon Musk, his uh, SpaceX Starlink broadband service is about to launch in a new market. The initial stuff was actually a lot of it was here in Canada, believe it or not. Yeah. Based it was on the hiding. current yeah, on the current satellite location, the yeah. current mini constellation they have going on was set up to service rural parts of Canada and the northern United States. But you know they have greater ambition than that. I think Elon went out of his way to say that he believes what did he say to scale? He believed the scale was going to be of this company. It was was it in the it was well into the billions, was it not, Willie do? Uh, well, they were going to send thousands of satellites. Yeah, but up into orbit. thirty billion a year. He thinks it can be a thirty billion a year dollar company, mm -hmm. and that's not going to happen just with the rural parts of Canada. Hate to break it to you. Oh. Shout out to the rural parts of Canada. Uh, you know, pond hockey and maple syrup, and Tim Hortons. All right, so shout out to them. I'm not saying anything bad about that, but I'm just saying to get to thirty billion, you got to be a lot more yep. places, and that's the beauty of being in space, and it's the beauty of the whole. Uh, Starlink satellite proposal. Mm. The idea here is to fund f uh, future SpaceX projects with mm. this thing. So they need to generate more revenue, launch in more markets. And there are more markets that are willing to pay for these type of connections and happen to live in a rural location that it ain't getting any fiber anytime soon. Mm. So this new place that they're going to launch is on the English countryside. Okay. Yeah, SpaceX set up a UK entity in London called Starlink Internet Services. And uh, they filed on a UK company's registry. So they're about to be doing business. They actually got a license for an earth station network. That's what they're calling these things. That was in November. And now they've started actually giving hardware to some users. And they're inviting even more if, you're, if you happen to be in the UK. So according to reports and social media users, Starlink is charging UK customer, customers 439 British pounds for the satellite dish and other communications equipment, as well as 89 pounds for the monthly fee and 54 pounds for the shipping fee. So this is not cheap, <laughs> this connectivity for the 
speed that they're giving you, somewhere between 50 megabits and 150 megabits per second currently. But you have to remember, these people who are getting this option, they don't have other options. Mm -hmm. this, this for them is a huge upgrade based on their current connection, living in the location that they live in. And it's also important to note, people don't have particularly fast connections in a lot of the UK. The average connection speed in the UK is 64 megabits per second. So in most cases, this is actually going to be an improvement over people who are connected to the regular telco setup. Mm -hmm. So there's actually a, a user in here from Southwest England who's been one of the earliest to get the equipment, and he previously worked for the UK military, and he says he's very impressed with the quality of equipment he received for his funds. He thinks it's robust stuff. He's into it. Yeah, he can watch Lou later on 4K. He can watch Lou later 4K streaming. Nice. Isn't that wonderful? So I was talking earlier about how hard it is to sell electric cars in China. How about this to make it even harder? Alibaba is launching their own electric sedan. <laughs> you never expected that. So everybody talked about Jack Ma. Where's Jack Ma? Maybe he's just been busy working on this project. He's been chilling. He's been sleeping in an yeah, autonomous. He's, he's been sleeping in an autonomous vehicle, just circling China, <laughs> <laughs> testing it out. Yeah. Anyway, no. Uh, they teamed up with a with China's largest automaker, by the way. And that is S A I C Motor. What do you think that stands for? Maybe Vin can get that one. What's that stand for, Vin? Sino, Sino, probably. A. No, he's out. I, I, I thought he was going to help us on that. What's it stand for? Oh, we're stuck. We're dead. Shanghai Automotive Industry Corporation. That's our bad. <laughs> he just nods. Like, yes. Min nods. Yes. He, he felt like he had a chance at it. He obviously uh, failed horribly. You had a chance, man. Anyway, so they're teaming up with them, and uh, it's the sedan is powered by a new solid-state battery from contemporary Amperix technology, the same supplier as Tesla, and it will use chips from NVIDIA. Oh. Sounds pretty cool. Yeah. Play some cyberpunk in there. <laughs> Ray trace, everything. No, I'm sure that's for the AI stuff more than the gaming. They will reportedly begin taking orders for this vehicle in April at the annual Shanghai Auto Show. And also Alibaba shares were up. So this is a little bit of good news here. Maybe things are starting to smooth out over there. Let's just, you know, get a car on the road and yeah. call it a day. Now, speaking of China, we have a little story here on Huawei. They're still there. They're still working. They're doing some interesting things. And one of them is in the land of autonomous driving... Most of the attention gets placed on the vehicle itself and the sensors and the cameras and it's sort of mapping its way around a complex environment. Huawei is working on a sort of a different approach where they modify the roads to give better feedback to the autonomous vehicle with more markers and symbols and just better communication. This sounds very ambitious, obviously, because, well, roads are already there and they're not all created equal. Some roads are nice, some roads uh -huh. are less nice. So the thing they're working on right now, they're actually testing it with a bus that just runs the same route so they know oh, okay. all the parameters. Yeah. But it is something that I've wondered about because you sit there thinking, okay, the way these scanners are reading the space, like they see the lines in the middle of the road, is there some way to improve that? Is there some way 
to feed even better data as far as where the boundaries are or where it should travel at a particular speed, when it should start to slow. I don't know. I just imagined that maybe the environment could be improved alongside the autonomous vehicles yeah. to expedite the whole process. So on a four-kilometer road in the city of Wuxi in Jiangsu province, a self-driving bus travels back and forth, making, making stops, swerving past obstacles, accelerating, decelerating, you know, doing all that autonomous stuff. So embedded in the road, traffic lights, street signs, and other infrastructure are sensors, cameras, and radars that talk directly to the vehicle. See, this gets interesting as well when it comes to if you can imagine a future in which everyone has an autonomous vehicle and, you know, the gridlock experience on the highway, which isn't the case these days, but mm -hmm. if you can remember that, if the road is feeding information to the vehicle, all the vehicles, presumably the road could space the vehicles accordingly mm -hmm. and have them in the most efficient position traveling at the most efficient speed so that everybody can get where they're going fastest. So it could could be a tandem thing at some point. You could imagine hopping onto a highway and it behaving sort of more like a train. You're just one car in a train and it's getting tremendous feedback to the point where your car not only knows what's happening directly around it, but it knows what's happening 40 cars ahead because the road is telling your car. Yeah, I've always wondered like with cars, um you're making technology within the car, but not around the car. So if they could be talking like the road and the car, it's just the road and the car. And, and that seems actually somewhat more feasible than the cars talking to each other, because who's going to all agree on this technology? Right. Which brands are going to say, yeah, I'm willing to talk to you. And so I don't know how it gets implemented, but it is interesting nonetheless. And it's another angle on the idea of autonomous driving. Now, in the land of autonomous, in the land of AI, you know, there's some people who are a little bit afraid of this stuff. Well, hmm. you know, there's some people who think this is going to go well beyond human capabilities and just be out of control because of the level of intelligence and the self-learning capabilities and the potential for something eventually that's sentient and gets to decide, even with a set of instructions, gets to decide how best to implement those instructions. Hmm. That freaks people out. Well, anyway, here we have a story uh, suggesting that computer scientists wouldn't be able to control super intelligent machines. Theoretical calculations showed it would be fundamentally impossible. In other words, they're saying once the cat's out of the bag, the cat's out of bag. Hmm. In other words, they're right. saying once this thing happens, once we pass this particular threshold, yeah hands off right so now if this is some complex stuff as far as understanding is concerned computer scientists and philosophers have asked themselves whether we would be able to control a super intelligent ai at all in order to ensure that it would not pose a threat to humanity so a team of computer scientists used theoretical calculations and they discovered that it would be fundamentally impossible to control such a thing here's the quote a super intelligent machine that controls the world sounds like science fiction, but there are already machines that perform certain important tasks independently without programmers, fully understanding how they learned it. The question therefore arises whether this could at some point become uncontrollable and dangerous for humanity. This is the co-author of uh, this particular study. So 
scientists explored a couple of different ideas on how you might control something that's super intelligent like this. The one of the ways they they determined was just to shut it off from the internet completely, to 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 stop it from communicating. But that kind of defeats the purpose of the intelligence in the first place. Mm -hmm. And obviously, as you know, once we get to that point, there's no way it's going to let you. Yeah, it's about survival for them. <laughs> and uh, I mean, it'll be over. In their study, the team conceived a theoretical containment algorithm that ensures a super intelligent AI cannot harm people under any circumstances. By simulating the behavior of the AI first and halting it, if considered harmful, but careful analysis shows that in our current paradigm of computing, such an algorithm cannot be built. It's like some sort of paradoxical yeah, situation. Yeah, that's like uh, the laws in iRobot, right? Probably. Where you would prevent someone from hurting others, but then... Yeah, I don't know. Well, it's, a, it's like... Hurt it's like themselves it, or something, and then... Yeah. I'm if, just gonna... The robot's gonna stop you. Like, they're on. <laughs> and then humankind is just gonna... Are you saying that this study is stopped. basically iRobot and it's already been done? Yeah, they made a movie out of it. If you break down the... Pro if you break the problem down to basic rules from theoretical computer science, it turns out that an algorithm that would com command an AI not to destroy the world could inadvertently halt its own operations. Save if the, if this happened, you would not know whether the containment algorithm is still analyzing the threat or whether it has stopped to contain the harmful AI. In effect, this makes the containment algorithm unusable. How this is... Yeah. yeah. Oh, here you go. Save what do you got? Three the, laws. Okay, give me the three laws of robotics, Well, So a robot may not injure a human being or through inaction allow a human being to come to harm that's the first law the second law is a robot must obey orders given it given by human beings except where such orders would conflict with the first law and the third <laughs> is a robot must protect its own existence as uh -oh, long as that's such a problem protection does not conflict with the first or second oh law. that one's a little that's a slippery one the last one yeah but yeah, it's it's there is some sort of uh, paradoxical component to this, or at least at least a conundrum. And uh, these scientists who know far more than you or I and other individuals who have studied mm. such a thing understand the complexity in controlling something like this. And most seem to have come to the conclusion that uh, yeah, it's a ge it's a genie out the bottle, it's a cat out the bag, it's a um, it's a tough one. Are you scared? Of AI? Yeah. It seems so inevitable to me that being scared, it seems futile. So but, you're just going to accept it? Well, it just, I don't know. I, I know that people with more influence than me have tried to talk about it or, or uh, alter it in some way, but it doesn't seem possible. It seems there's already systems in play that are far more complex than any individual understands. Or, or at least um, exist in such a fashion where the hu the human input is minimal comparative to the self learning or to the to the what is the, the name for that? It's not self learning in computing. Uh, uh, you know, like you know when when the when the League of Legends robot or AI plays itself over and over and over and over again. Machine learning. Machine learning. There you yeah. go. 
self. Yeah, because the machine is not a self, not yet. I mean, maybe if you ask the machine, I don't know. Depends which machine you're asking. <laughs> yeah, I guess so. Yeah, but once you're into that realm, the realm of machine learning, who can extract the information having been learned and interpret it with the same degree of sophistication as the AI which learned it? Yeah. Imagine it's like a boxing fight, like you and a robot. Yeah, it like, would probably learn from like millions and it's beyond, billions of Yeah, it's scenarios. beyond the human bandwidth. Even if you could, your the speed would be terrible. Yeah. Even if you could, right? Because that's the thing. It's it's a combination of the learning and the sophistication and the speed. That's why the League of Legends bot, I don't remember if it was League of Legends or what the game was, but that whatever that bot was, it was like, oh yeah, that thing is superior. I don't I don't even want to bother yeah. playing. Yeah, it was it was from the deep mind thing. Everybody just realized quickly, oh yeah, what are we doing here? Yeah. It is futile at that point. I agree. Right. Now that's just a video game, but you obviously mm -hmm. you can imagine things beyond video games and mm -hmm. Well, that's why that's why these that's why they're working. That's the Neuralink thing. That's why they're working so hard to on on the human AI interface. Yeah. We're so lacking. We yeah, we're lacking the, the speed, right? We have AI. these these weird. Look at this thing we're trapped in our here. Meat sucks. And yeah. and the speed of our lips moving and the way in which we communicate. And imagine we'd still tap on screens. That's mm -hmm. so slow. Yeah, with our meat sack fingers. We're so slow. Oh. Yeah. Old technology, man. <laughs> New York City renters owe more than $1 billion in unpaid rent. Survey finds. This is on the Wall Street Journal. I've been curious about New York City since the COVID stuff happened. It hit there very hard. And obviously, it's a, it's a really interesting real estate market. And people said, we're getting out. We're leaving. And it looks like some people left because the vacancies went up. And some companies left. And there were some new rules around working for home, from home and... And also, it's just a place, a really vibrant place, a place that's all about the restaurants and the bars. And I mean, you can just understand why a place like that would be hit hard. So anyway, they're trying to figure out, like, what is the extent of the damage and whether or not there could be enough aid from the government to potentially offset the amount of debt so that these people, that people don't get evicted mm -hmm. once the measures are lifted. Because it's still, people still owe their rent. Mm -hmm. <laughs> That's how that works, Will. People still owe their rent. And the government can keep pumping money to try to fix that. But there's a threshold, I guess, there uh, as to what, what is actually possible. And this has meant that some people have been forced to leave. But other people have been in rent-controlled apartments for a really long period of time. They don't want to leave. Mm -hmm. They got deals and it can't be... The price can't be elevated. Anyway, uh, tallying responses from landlords, the group estimates that as many as 185,000 households are more than two months behind on rent with an average debt of more than $6,000. For the, for the average person, that's, that's, well, for anybody, that's a substantial amount to be behind. Presumably, if you're not paying rent, there's other bills you're not paying too. Right. That's only that's only six thousand dollars in rent that you're backed up. But what about the credit cards? What about the like we haven't even seen the whole picture yet. 
as far as COVID is concerned, because people, you can carry debt for a little while. You could go dip into the credit cards. You could hold off the landlord for two, three months. Yep. But are you going to be able to get that meaningful work once things lighten up a little bit? And then are you going to be able to make enough to, to pay off what built up in that period of time that you were hanging out, waiting for things to, to get fixed? So... Anyway, it's no that's no joke, a billion dollars in unpaid rent in one particular city, but it also it also isn't as big as it sounds because of the astronomical rent rates in in New York. I think some were expecting that it could be even bigger. Mm -hmm. The median one bedroom apartment rental in New York City is $2,350. So, yeah, that's it, a lot. Not a cheap place to live. Do you know anything about these sea shanties? anything uh i've heard of that term before so this is the hottest thing right now this is the the tiktok the viral tiktok trend right now hmm. and and no one saw it coming it's not pop music it's not a dance it's an old-fashioned it's an old-fashioned song the song of sailors out yeah. to sea and it started with one guy and it exploded and turned into an entire trend. Okay. You can go down, you can play the clip, it's on TikTok. I'm sure he won't mind. I mean, he's gonna get a shout out right now. It's, it's just jumping up Google Trends. Wait, let me say his name. Let me give him a proper shout out here. Uh, just scroll up a little bit. So 26 year old Nathan Evans, a postman from outside Glasgow, Scotland, Posted this on December 26th. It's a 19th century New Zealand folk song, Wellerman. And this is how it all started. Play a little bit of it. Once was a ship that put to sea. The name of the ship was a belly of tea. The winds blew up her bow, up down below. My belly boys blow. Soon may the Wellerman come to bring us sugar and tea and rum. One day when the tonguing is done, we'll take her leave and go. She had not been two weeks from shore when down okay, on you can her pause that. You can pause it. Pause it. All right, so. What? Jeez, Will. See, <laughs> see what's going on on TikTok? You see how that works, man? Uh, the algorithm. Yeah, the algorithm's going to kill you, man. Anyway. So it looks like it has 3.3 million plays, or is that the next video that has 3.3 million plays? That's I, the next video. So I don't know how many plays he had. It has a lot of likes. Uh, oh, on, just under a million likes, so it's got to have a lot of views. Anyway, millions. This guy had like 40,000 followers. Now he has over 400,000 from that one clip. That's the virality of TikTok, Will. Mm. Now, pause this guy again and scroll down. And see what happened after his video goes out. By the way, this this sea, there's a little history here on sea shanties. It's uh, obviously historic music dating back mid 1400s. You would they would all sing together to pass the time on the. And there's a weird nostalgia, like I think people are tapped into right now, imagining a time out to sea, a simpler life. I see. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. And there's so much labor to do, so to pass the time, you sing the songs together. Incredible. It it has a vibe to it. It's a vibe to it. So let me let's talk more about the vibe. Go back to the article and scroll down a little bit more. And you're gonna see the next rendition. All right, here we go. So people, of course, built on it because it was so viral, and this is how TikTok works. Play this one. 
The ship that put to sea, the name of the ship was a belly of tea. The winds blew up her bow, dipped down below, my belly boys blow. Soon may the weatherman come to bring us sugar and tea and rum. One day when the tonguing is done, we'll take our leave and go. Wow! Oh, wow! They're still trying to get you to watch that video. Yeah. So they added more voices and they yep. put the baritone in. And then all of a sudden it had a thickness to it. Uh -huh. And all of a sudden I had an image. It was very Pirates of the Caribbean or something. All of a sudden, maybe that was a different era. But anyway, you know what I'm saying? I pictured a crew of a crew uh -huh. pulling on something, putting a sail up. Yeah, being productive. Yes. Yeah. Productivity. All working together on a boat. Real physical productivity. Yeah. Scroll down a little bit more. Oh, let's add some instruments. Why don't we? Okay. Yeah, let's add some instruments. So that's on top of the other one. Pause this for a second. Pause that for a second. This... This feature that TikTok is doing here, not this, not them feeding you this image in the algorithm, the feature of people remixing on top of one another yes. easily. Yeah. My God. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it becomes a really cool remix. The whole thing flies too, because now it's like it's reaching into, it's encouraging people's take and which leads back to the original. It's like the opposite of copyright. Yes. It's what happens when the intent is just share to share, share, share. All right, we got one more, which is the banger version, the club, the club version. Nice. Are you ready for the club okay. version? You're gonna be surprised here. To see the name of the ship was a belly of tea. The winds blew up her bird up turn below my belly boys blow. Wow, all right, all right, we got it. Crazy. Now it's the time of sea shanties on TikTok, and I don't know, I'm feeling, I'm feeling something. Yeah. I don't know what I'm feeling, but I'm feeling something. Maybe it's the collective nature of it, just uh. seeing people make something together, and... I don't know what it is, man. There's something about that application that seems to encourage the thing I'm talking. It's kind of chaotic. It's very chaotic. Look at the video they were trying to get you to watch. Yeah. But it's almost like out of that chaos, somehow interesting things happen because of the lack of control. At no point is anyone along there going, hey, man, that's my original video. Uh, how about you? I mean, I, I don't even know if that guy could. I don't, even if the original guy decided to be a jerk or something and was like, don't you dare remix my thing, which he shouldn't do and would be bad overall, I don't even know if there's a way to do that. The entire thing exists in the, with the, this idea of chaotic collaboration. Yeah. So there's something kind of cool about that. Yeah, I agree. I don't know. All right, last one for me. Did you ever watch The Sopranos, Will? Oh. You know what? That's on my watch list. Really? You were not a Sopranos it. guy. You made Vin very upset over yeah. there. Uh, we watched, I've watched every single, I watched them all back in the day when I had time to watch things. Uh -huh. It was a series that got better and better over time. As yeah, it, it was, was a comedy at first, right? It was kind of a little bit 
I wasn't wasn't into it in the beginning. Right. It's very TV in the beginning, right? Because that was a different era. It was before the real premium HBO stuff, but along its lifespan, it was part of pushing that. Started bringing different directors, take a different approach mm. to it, the production value, everything changed over the course. I don't know what it was, nine seasons or something like that. So you got to see that progression and it really spurred on or it was at the early part of just changing our expectations around TV shows mm. and what eventually became premium streaming shows and things like this. It's like it was like movie quality to a point near the end. So I spent some time with it, but I actually this one flew under the radar for me. I did not know they were making a prequel film. They're making a Sopranos movie. It's called The Many Saints of Newark, and it was supposed to be out a while ago, but COVID oh. screwed it all up. Now it, it's a Warner Brothers film. So it's going to be doing the thing in theaters and HBO Max simultaneously. And they have uh, pushed it now to September 24th. A little bit upsetting there. It's supposed to come out in March. But I'll give you an idea of the premise here. It was co-written by The Sopranos creator David Chase and directed by one of The Sopranos directors, Alan Taylor, who did many episodes. And the backdrop is the 1967 riots in New York, New, in Newark, New Jersey, the result of flaring tensions between the city's black and Italian residents. Alessandro Nivola will star in the lead role of Dickie Moltisanti, Christopher's father, Christopher Moltisanti, a character in the Sopranos series. And James Gandolfini's son, Michael, is going to take the role of Tony. Mm. Wow. Get out of town. That give you the give you some shivers on that. They Does also he look got like some. Him? What's that? Does he look like him? I don't know. Let's get a pick. Let's get a Michael Gandolfini on there. The cast also includes Leslie Odom Jr., John Bernthal, Ray Liotta, and Vera Farmiga. They have. Uh, let's see a quote here. I have really high hopes about the film. What David did was tell an origin story of Tony Soprano through a character that was dead before the series. And that is such a surprising way of going about it. And the late 60s mob movie is the stuff of dreams. Everyone was at the top of their game. The only infuriating thing is how long we have to wait indeed. All right. That's Gandolfini's son. Wow, it does look like him. Wow. It's got the smile. Young Tony Soprano. Damn. That's the real life and the make-believe and the crossover. Are you, you seem really pumped. I don't know, man. I'm just talking right now. <laughs> I don't know, but I spent time with The Sopranos. I hope I'll be able to find the time to check out this film when it finally comes around. We'll see what the situation is when it when it drops. Certainly, if I can watch it at home, that helps. Yeah, I'll tell you that right now because of the whole theater situation. But uh, th this part of it, the idea of a, a mob movie taking place in the 60s. Mm. Anyway, what can I say? Yeah, you're right. I do sound pumped. The idea of putting the sun in there. And of course, because of course, James Gandolfini, he passed away, right? Yeah. I mean, that's there's something to it. There you go. All right, let's get out of here so I can go listen to uh, some sea shanties. All right. right.